This is the Let's Grab Coffee podcast, and I'm your host, George Khalife. All right, dude, you got your coffee? Got my coffee. Where's the coffee? Let's have coffee, way, baby. Cheers, man. <laughs> I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of pissed at you because we, at first, we agreed this was going to be a like a Let's Grab whiskey, but then you yeah. scheduled this at 9:30 a.m. So I don't know what happened well, there. Well, I mean, like you know, I also work. I'm not a drug dealer. <laughs> the you best know? way to start a podcast yeah, yeah. <laughs> um well i mean it, like the the early mornings like six seven is like the only time i get alone um as soon as people start coming in and then you know toronto office starts pinging me so this is the time i got i'm sorry i'm sorry i couldn't do better no, so we start the podcast open your heart out. this is what it, this is what i'm here for dude what's what's crazy is speaking about early mornings. you're an early riser man i didn't know this yeah. before i met you but yeah. you're like a, 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 a even a four a.m. I think you're you're pretty hardcore. I, when it I comes wake to that. I wake up yeah I wake up at three thirty. I'm in the gym at four. Was it always the case, or was it like when you had kids? Like was that? No, I think it's more when I started having kids and you know work got very demanding. Um, it's literally the only time I get where it's like my phone is not going like you know. So um, yeah, I I find that like I still train in the afternoon. But I cancel that a lot, depending on like work life, you know, you Events. too, right? You, you wake up early too. Not like yeah, as early as 3.30. No, no, I'm not there yet. That's like Joko Willenick status. <laughs> I'm not there yet. That's but my uh, I, I, I appreciate it, man. And I see you're consistent. Like you almost have that vibe because if, if you follow Sean on Insta, like your stories are always literally every single day at 4 a.m. So I feel like like a little... You know, I don't say the bitch word, but whatever. <laughs> I kind of feel like that, to be honest. Uh, it's crazy. Dude. Wait, it wait, hang on a second. Hang on a second. What What's kind that? of censorship was that? You're like, no, I feel like a pause, and then you're like, well, I can say the bitch word. You just said it. Fuck it. I feel like a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm go. just trying to. I'm. I'm trying to create a, a scenario for you. Now you're like, do I? Can I swear on this podcast? <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, like, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to be a good boy uh yeah that's 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 pretty cool man honestly kudos to you though because you do it pretty consistently too like every day i see you in the yeah. gym and what are you what are you training now like how is your your regimen um okay so who um monday wednesday friday saturday i do tra- uh, conditioning in the mornings um so in the gym lifting stuff like that and then tuesdays and thursdays afternoon i do jujitsu sunday also at noon i do jujitsu but more like flow jujitsu um I do wrestling the other afternoons. That's crazy, man. That's yeah. hardcore. How do you fit yeah, it my all butt. in? Um, it doesn't like I don't know. I, I it's it's just it's just part of my. Well, the early conditioning just doesn't count because like four a.m. you could either be sleeping <laughs> or you train. In the afternoons, it's you know what I find is like jujitsu and wrestling. You're part of a class. You're part of a team, and if you don't go, you're letting everyone down. So you don't have an option. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, they kind of uh, give you the same motivation like, at the same time, right? Like it's five p.m. They'll hit you. The boys will hit you up. Be like, "Hey, come on, we have class." Yeah, it's more like if you don't go, you're gonna hear about it for the whole week. <laughs> you know, it's like they want, like you're you're. We have a WhatsApp group, and it's just like they they start like harassing you. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Have same you always... way if someone doesn't perform if someone doesn't perform well in the gym yeah. same thing like if you if, if you go in and everyone's tapping you you get you get you, you won't hear the end of it so you got to go with your a game you gotta have <laughs> tough skin. well that's the thing when yeah. you're old too because you've been doing uh, brazilian jiu-jitsu for a while you obviously you have a wrestling background too when did you get in, into all the you know the the bjj slash mma stuff 
Um, well, wrestling really early. Like I was in elementary school. Um, was that back in Iran or, or in Canada? Like, no, no, here, here. Yeah. I don't think I would make it <laughs> in Iran. It's, but dude, you guys are, are you, you have some of the best wrestlers. I don't think people, like if you're not, if you don't follow wrestling uh, on the Olympics side, because this is yeah. different than MMA, but you guys have some of the best wrestlers in the world. Yeah, yeah. I, I honestly don't know where that comes from. I think, um, you know, but historically, Iran, Russia, you know, China, um, you know, all, all that Kazakhstan, Dagestan um, area, they're just like, they breed like different types of wrestlers. I honestly don't know what it attributes to. Um, it'd be interesting. Like if we, wrestling if we with trace bears? it back. Yeah. Uh, some, something <laughs> like that. I don't think we have bears in Iran. I don't think <laughs> the, the Dagestan. Well, well, Khabib is from what? From from Dagestan, right? Dagestan, Dagestan yeah. is clo close to Iran. It's in north of Iran. So Yeah. A lot maybe, of mountains too. Could, I think that's yeah. 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 There's a lot of crossover. I, I just think it's it's like hard, hard skin to like they grow up in, in such a more difficult environment that when you get to the mat, it's, you know, in comparison to everything they go through in life, there is a For bit sure. of a different level that you just can't get to, you know. For sure, but like there are lots of countries that go through hardship. How come some of them suck at wrestling? <laughs> that is true, yeah, I you guess, know? I don't know. Yeah, it's so, weird, so it's just I, part of your I wonder, yeah, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's you know, um, what, I think it, it started in Greece, right? A long time ago. Um, Greco-Roman wrestling. Just, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, we should, we should find out. On the next, I, would, the I next wish podcast. I see. This is why I don't like Joe Rogan has Jamie. I don't have anybody to look at to look up. <laughs> Google Wikipedia wrestling. But honestly, yeah. dude, like you, you play it so so calmly. Like when I first met you, first of all, I didn't know you you had kid when we first first met. Yeah. Obviously, I didn't know your personal life. Um, but first, like you're you're to me, you're like a young soul of a dad. You, if you get yeah. what I mean. You yeah. Know, you work out. You do BJJ. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're a CEO of your own startup. You do it with your brothers. Um, like you have all these things going on. You have kids, you're married. And for like, you just make it seem like everything flows calmly. I've never once seen you like panic, super anxious, you know, so. I hide I it well. <laughs> I don't know if it's a poker face or like what, what's going on. No, I hide it well. No, I, I mean, like I always say I have it easy, right? My wife is the one that has to take all the burden of, of the house and the kids and, and all that. She, she does a really, really um, masterful job of handling all that so I can focus on this. Mm -hmm. And when you only have to focus on work, you know, it, it's all of a sudden not, not so hard, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so, I mean, everyone says that, right? Like behind every successful person, there's a successful partner. I won't say man, because that used to be the old adage, but like, I don't yeah. think that's proper yeah. anymore. No, uh, no. <laughs> but, yeah. but it's true it is true like you need and that, that's a hard job too man you yeah know? i mean so you find you, you find that now you can just get up and go to new york stay in the new jersey motel <laughs> <laughs> with with sean and fahid <laughs> doing oh, doing owl, that, owl pitch nights that was funny that was, that was funny. Awesome. why did we go there? i mean like obviously the business didn't have much money right so we, <laughs> we yeah, had to we're, like we're pre series we to save money yeah, for for this conference in New York, it was Finovate, right? Finovate. And the yeah. and the conference was <laughs> the conference was on uh, um, on Broadway uh, yeah. in Manhattan, and we got we got this like crazy motel all the way in Jersey to save money, <laughs> and we had all that we had the whole oh. <laughs> <with us. laughs> from my traps 
grew so much that weekend. Like I just kept carrying. Do you remember? Like yeah. literally, and and they they were literally as long as my body. So yeah. it's not like it's not only heavy, but you have to carry that shit off of the ground and wear yeah, like in suits nice. the whole time. And yeah, it I, was... I would have helped, but I was I was too busy like filming <laughs> you from behind and laughing. Because like it was so long, and every elevator, every door, you would just get stuck. Um, it was, it man, was a fun time, man. It was so funny. It was so funny, and we and we ate so much, and we still like, remember we uh we 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 bet that he couldn't finish his food at Tops in New Jersey. That, that's the other thing I, about I still you. Have is, the video. So so for for folks who don't know, uh, Sean likes to do these like small fun bets. Let's let's put it this way. Uh, and I only uh, came to realize what that meant. And unfortunately for me, it was always around food. So we'd go out to eat in a restaurant. And this one time we were in Montreal. Uh, it was me, Vahid. Uh, uh, who, who, when was this? But like, it was like at maybe 11 p.m. or something. Yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It was like. Um, Sriracha was there too. Uh, yeah. And then it was, I guess, us four. Anyways, like we all ordered this like massive poutine. We all kind of barely finished it. And then I think there was like literally more than half of one left. And Sean just looks at me and he's like, dude, 100 bucks on the table right now if you can finish it. <laughs> I, I swear to you, I didn't even blink. I, I literally just took that poutine and I scarfed it down. But he's looking at me, dude, he's about to just just looking at me. He's about to hurl. Dude, the whole <laughs> restaurant is looking at us. <laughs> Let's go. <John. laughs> yeah, people were cheering oh, me on. We bet on everything. We bet on like how many cars are going to pass the street in the next <laughs> minute. Like people think we work. We actually just bet. <laughs> no, it's true. I, I racked. I felt. I, I felt like a waiter, dude. I racked up so much in tips and just doing these weird ass bets with you. My my liver was damaged. Like it was. Yeah. It was a fun time. It was a fun yeah, time. Yeah. 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 There so, was a, so, a lot of alcohol involved too. Oh, fun that's time, sure. man. Yeah. So that, that, that's the other thing about you is like, I think you're always, you're always kind of a natural entrepreneur. Um, like when I think of, of entrepreneurial DNA, to be, to be frank, like I think of you, obviously, um, you know, Sriracha being in there. I hope he's, he's cool with me using that nickname, but Sriracha, it's, uh, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's stuck. So, so, this is, you uh, came up with it and it's stuck. It's stuck. This yeah. is Sean's brother, uh, Sarab, yeah. by the way, one of the co-founders of Owl. But you guys have always done stuff together. Yeah. Um, like was it always did you always just have that self-awareness like knowing you know this was this was always going to be the thing i wanted to do um no uh like entrepreneurship mm -hmm. yeah yeah entrepreneurship for sure i think um um you know this thought i don't know what it is about you know you you wanting to um you know you 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 standing in a line somewhere and thinking you know this the way this line is formed sucks and I can do better. It's mm -hmm. that kind of egotistical um, mentality where you think you can do something better and then wanting to actually execute your often dumb idea, you know, to do that thing better. Um, and, it's, and it's usually, uh, you know, I, and I think like I've had that ever since I was a kid, um, soar up to, to some extent. And, you know, we've, we've, we've built multiple businesses together um and you know some have been successful we always talk about the successful ones and we never talk about the ones that fail yeah every mm -hmm. every zoom intro when we have to talk and you know i talk about the background i only talk about the exits i never talk about you know <laughs> all the all the either they were crappy ideas or bad execution or or just a million things going wrong where business fails mm. what, 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 what were some of those examples like give me give me an example of when something didn't go right for you as an entrepreneur uh, Oh, 
like as of this morning or like <laughs> <laughs> no like if, if, let, 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 let's start maybe before owl before owl.co like what what's an example of something that you started didn't go your way maybe even early within your career yeah yeah so like like one example was um uh, we built this you know we've as you know we've uh Saurabh and i have been uh, advocates of of data privacy um and end-to-end -end encryption so you know many years ago i think like 2011 ish we came up with um we co-founded like a, a company where it um it was supposed to be um a, a project management tool um task management you know messaging all end-to-end -end encrypted decentralized um you know and the idea was for um, individuals and potentially companies being able to collaborate in a fully private manner where, where their data is not seen and not used by any platforms. Um, we, we thought it's, a, it's you know, data is, is the most important commodity moving forward um, and securing it is, is incredibly important. And we st stand by it, you know, with OWL also. But, you know, back then in 2011, um, end to end encryption was very early and the protocol and you know, we had to go through so many hoops to have the users. Um, you know, the user experience was not great because they had to, you know, select a pin. They had to hold their own encryption keys. It was not understood. Like WhatsApp was not end-to-end -end encrypted. Telegram was not end-to-end -end encrypted. Like that, that just didn't exist at the time. So we were very early, um, and um, and we 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 struggled finding uh, a um, a product a product market fit. Like we knew it's important, the tool. We just didn't know who needs it. <laughs> you know, we, we couldn't figure it out. We came up with hypothesis. We thought maybe lawyers, maybe um, maybe maybe students, uh, maybe small companies. But you know, it, it 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 nobody nobody wanted the extra hassle, let alone pay for it. What do you do in that case? Because like there there are a lot of examples. Obviously, when you have an idea and you only see it come to fruition, let's say like five yeah. years down the road, because in five years there's more infrastructure for that idea to work. But yeah. like in that moment, how do you, you, like you have two decisions, right? Do we just pull the plug on this or continue? That's often the biggest struggle. And I never, yeah. I can never get a yeah. fine answer on that. Like how, is it yeah. just intuition? You know? um, it, it is intuition. I think if you show me an entrepreneur that, um, that, that cut the cord on an idea because he knew it's too early um, or he knew it's not gonna work and he did it timely, I'll show you a genius. I think. We all suck at this. We all, we all, you know, marry our idea and 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 just drag it way too long. Um, in hindsight, you know, after after year one or two, um, I should have I should have let that go. Maybe even sooner. Um, I think in our alpha la launch, we should have taken um, all the all the hints that the market was giving us and not try to um, not try to you know find a fit um, for the product. Having said that, then you hear stories of people who persevere. Like Owl is a great example, right? Exactly. Owl is an example where um, you know we started this company with a whole different use case. We, mm -hmm. if you know, when when you were with us, we were talking about you, you guys know, had three use cases. Yeah, KYC, AML. We had onboarding and we had fraud detection. Where after some time, you know, we um, you know we realized the product market fit with the fraud detection is is incredible. So we 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 stopped supporting the other two use cases and we're just solely a um, claims monitoring company now and that's the other kind of challenging part too right because to, to your point like when i was with you guys at owl again obviously a different time for the company but 
you, you had a, a good problem, but also a bad problem for any entrepreneur. The good problem is yeah. that you had this technology that you could literally fit into multiple use cases. The yeah. challenge is that obviously when you're that early, you need to focus one, but two, you, you are, you're also kind of selling different divisions. And so how do yeah. you get to that, that point where you really have to narrow down on one use case and just do it the best and be the best in class in that one use case? How do you do how that? Do you make the, how do you make the decision for it? Yeah, and, and also just kind of like, what's, what's the process of you deciding wh where to put all your eggs, basically? Because in poker, right, they'll tell you like, obviously, yeah. you know, the, the go all in metaphor, but that doesn't always apply to entrepreneurship. Yeah. So I'm just curious, how did you, what's the process yeah, to get there? Yeah, it, 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 it's a very good question. It's actually a very tough process. We contemplated, um, um, you know, this for, for a few months and then we pulled the trigger. Um, I think I think the, the proper process of it is, is just surrounding yourself with incredible like, like they, an incredible team and an incredible you know, set of advisors and investors who can who 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 have been through it first of all, um, right. and two aren't scared. Like the scariest part of that pivot is you're gonna have to say no to a lot of deals, and you're gonna have to cancel some, maybe terminate some contracts. Right? If we have if we have clients in product two and three, and we want to focus on product one, we have to stop maintaining products two and three. That means that we're not gonna get paid for any deals we had in those products, um, with those products. So, um, you know, A, it's important to have a team where, you know, they're, they're, um, they're not scared of, you know, especially in a startup, they're not scared to start from scratch in some cases um, um, for, for a potential opportunity, which we have in spades. I think our team, that's one of the things, like our team is, is world-class. That's one thing, the one reason why, you know, we stuck it through um, is because, um, you know, we knew that the team is exceptional, right? I mean, you met Vahid, Vahid's a G, he's a machine. XBCG, yeah. X-Bain, he's a machine. Like, yeah, a, a lot can be said positively, obviously, of, of Vahid, yeah. but he is the guy to have as, a, as an operations officer. Like, I couldn't yeah. think of anybody better at that stage, yeah. He's incredible. Um, and, you know, Sora, uh, my brother, Sriracha. Spicy and, uh, and, and Yeah, and, and since you've left, I mean, we, we, we have, we have we've racked up a lot of um, other great talent. So that's Dude, one since I left, two. it's been on a, on, a, on a rocket ship. I don't know. Is, is, yeah. I don't know if that's, that's a bad sign. Like, I left. You were in the curse. <laughs> you were in the curse. <laughs> the curse has been lifted, brother. <laughs> and um, and uh, after that, uh, the, cre the credit goes to the investors. Right. Like we had to actually like have that tough discussion with our investors and be like, hey, we need to we need to actually reduce our ARR because we're going to have to say no to these deals. Focus on this one product. But we have we have these, you know, initial data points that this product is going to be a success. Here's why. Here's what we what, where we achieve and then for them to back you. Um, uh, so so that was um, those very challenging times. Um, but, you know, the secret is all in the team. Dude, I have so many questions, but before I get there, I just want to ask you in the current version of, of where owl.co is for, for those who aren't aware, how would you describe it in like the most simple dynamic? Um, you know, I like to start because it's so deep insurance, um, you know, for me to say we're owl claims monitoring that so you won't understand. So let me explain that. <laughs> I'll explain the problem in, in 30 seconds and then um, what we do. So every time, and we only focus on disability insurance today, we're going to branch out to like workers comp. But if we look at disability insurance, every time a claimant submits um, a claim at an insurer, the insurer has to put $200,000 into a reserve, right? And that's an average. Sometimes it's 10 million, sometimes it's 5,000. But 
when um when and, and these claims um are you know 10% of all claims are fraudulent or exaggerated but the insurers are detecting less than 1%. Mm. So if you can imagine like a, a a um a an insurer that has 2 billion dollars in reserve 200 uh, uh 200 million of that is in reserve and they're detecting like 2 million uh, 20 million so 180 million would be the opportunity and that's i'm just throwing numbers out right and when you say fraudulent um, just for those like that's basically like i break my arm i get better but i'm still getting the paychecks every whatever exactly. frequency okay. exactly exactly the you know the way the way it's done today insurers there's really no good way of them detecting these fraudulent uh claims um it goes by a lot of feeling like believe it or not they have agents that call the claimant try to determine if um if something's off um they would it's escalate it to an yeah they would, <laughs> they would they escalate it to an investigator you know the investigator tries to dig in or in some cases um follow the person around trying to detect um uh, inconsistencies so what we do is we do this at scale um automated um we aggregate data from all these different data sources. We analyze it in a zero knowledge manner. So it's completely compliant. Um, and having, by doing this, we're, 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 we only look for evidence. So we don't use any predictive analysis. So we don't, um, we remove any, any form or any potential for bias, right? That's a huge problem the insurers have today because how do you check on someone because of a feeling? Um, you know, there is like all humans are biased, right? So. So we want to we want to reduce that. We want to look for evidences. You know, really double click on people who seem to have fraudulent uh, footprints online. Yeah, like you're making it more objective, basically. Yeah, yeah, and each and and then um, each time the the fraud is found or or detected, uh, then that the insurer stops paying. That two hundred thousand comes back into the PNL. So that's why that's why um, you know it's such a it's such a big pain point. Every insurer has it, and it, and we have a hundred percent conversion from demo to pilot at least. Damn. Yeah. Well, it's a yeah. massive problem, dude. Like, I mean, yeah. And this this is why like, I think now that people listen to that, I think they can understand when we were together. Uh, you guys had all different avenues you can you can take this right because you're really building a 360 view of of, yeah. a, of a profile of a, of a customer, whether that be on onboarding, whether that be on fraud or whatever else uh, use case, and also different departments of one institution. So if you're selling yeah. to a bank, you can sell to different divisions, right? Risk management, yeah. the insurance groups. So, uh, but yeah, but, but back to that pain point, it's it's like a good and, and tough problem to have at the same time. Um, yeah. You, you, you talked a lot about team. You talked a lot about the investors, like them helping you pull through kind of the more challenging times uh, early, in the early days of OWL. I think with a lot of that, what people don't realize is like you as a CEO and obviously the co-founders, Vahid, Sarab included, a lot of that takes not only negotiation, but like you have to sell the, the vision, right? Like you have to sell the dream, basically, where you guys are going yeah. and, and, and enough confidence for them to really, really trust you. Yeah. Yeah. With your experience having done this like several times and obviously successfully now with OWL as you guys keep progressing, what are some of those like lessons learned when you're trying to do that in terms of either, you know, convincing top talent to join or top investors to back you? Um, what was the first one? The top down to join? Yeah, like how, basically, just I, I think it all stems from one point, right? Like you're yeah. you're using that 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 convincing mechanism. You're building trust in in you, right? Yeah. In Vahid and Sarab, both yeah. to, to secure top talent, but also have top investors back you up. So, yeah. what are what are some of the lessons learned to do that? I think the successful way to do it is work backwards. 
right? Um, when we try to sell to to um, when we when we try to um, you know get an investment, for example, it's really to understand how does how, how does a VC make make an investment um, decision? What are the metrics? Like, and, and I mean, a lot of these metrics are written in stone. Like, they, their firm, their fund has to meet certain criteria in order to write on it. I'm not talking about exceptions. So I'm, ta- I'm just talking generally, right? Obviously, and here we're talking many. financial metrics, right? Is that what? Yeah, you're yeah, to financial us? metrics. Yes. So, so certain ARR, certain churn, certain like build this scorecard of your of your um, uh, company. Understand what what those specific VCs that you're talking to, and you can actually straight up ask them. Like, what does your fund look to see? What is what is the sweet spot check check size? Like, what do your other partners want to see? How do we get the buy-in about? Like, ask a ton of questions, but really understand what that fund wants wants to see, and show them exactly that. Nothing more, nothing less. Um, <clears throat> I think I think we 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 often make a lot of make make mistakes of giving too much information to VCs, um, which comes back to haunt us. <laughs> you know, mm. um, it just in, in what sense, kind of, like more than well, they asked like, for upfront. Yeah, way more. Um, you know, we we all you know all, all different types of projections. You know, anything that creates a lot of you know, it, we need to keep it simple, right? Um, keep a simple data room, provides what they need to see, but but also shows that you're focused on on the problem problem at hand. You're focused on the metrics that matter. Not so much of all, all the fat and fuss that really doesn't matter, but creates like a hundred other questions um, and, and takes everyone's focus away from, from what matters. Um, but working backwards and the same with, with sales, you know, we, we, we understand, you know, before we start pitching and, and really going down the rabbit hole, we understand, you know, the organization, the org chart, uh, who has what signing authority, what, who has the urgency, um, um, Who's at the end of the day going to cut the check? What matters to that person? How is he going to be promoted? Is this the tool that's going to help him or her get promoted? Um, and um, and you know, once you have the lay of the land, then you work backwards and you start you start hammering those channels. I think I think that's how we've been able to cut the um, cut our sales cycle from you know, the, I think the going rate is twelve to eighteen months in financial institutions. We're like almost six months. It's really good. So working backwards, I love that. I, I kind of share the same maybe an analogy, especially for companies like looking for the next you know, growth step. But so so we covered the investor side. What about top talent? Like, what are you doing in terms of kind of just your, your leadership style, culture? Because you talked a lot about uh, the, the top talent is what what's kept you here, right? Um, just curious, like, how, how do you convince? And obviously, it's worked. I mean, uh, I, I definitely was, was sold on the vision. So just curious, like, what's, what's your mechanism to do that? You mean internally or with with clients? Uh, internally, like to, to secure uh, new hires, basically. Like, let's say you were, you were looking to hire a seasoned CFO, right? Yeah. You, Sean, as a leader, like, how are you selling the vision? What are you communicating as the culture? What's your leadership style? All that jazz. Um. Yeah, that's that's. I think I think it all. Um, obviously, they have to get the buy-in from for 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 the team. Is this the team that's gonna um, take it across the line? And I think we have that in spades. Like any anyone who works with us um, for for a few days realizes like this. We're we're like the culture of our company is incredibly performance focused, right? Like you know this. We have you know we have we have we have and like everything we do we is is by the numbers. There are metrics that we hold ourselves uh, accountable to, and we have to hit those metrics. 
I think in the history of this company, and you can ask this from our investors, we don't miss metrics. Like we don't, we don't miss KPIs. If we say we're going to hit some revenue, we're going to go rob a bank to hit that, <laughs> re- <laughs> to hit that revenue. Um, you know, but whatever it takes, because we want we want to be one of the fastest growing companies, if not the fastest growing company in Canada. And you know, we have to we have to have that discipline and be hard on ourselves to 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 um, to hit those numbers. So that that's the culture. That's um, you know, and and it's it's very demanding, but at the same time, it's very fun. Um, you know, as as you succeed with your partners, there's it's it's a very um, satisfactory uh, 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 satisfactory feeling it's 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 um it's very rewarding right to know that you build something from scratch and you know just because you you know you 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 push so hard you got it through um and that's one so the team um so once they get the buy-in from the team they get they need to understand they, they uh, to get the buy-in from the company right so is this the company that's actually going to make a the market our market's huge right so we, I, I usually explain, you know, what the potential is for for this company. It's not we're not we're not serving a small niche market. We're we're dealing with insurance claims. Every category is tens of billions of dollars um, in in market size. Um, we talk about you know our the the VCs that have backed us. They're some of the best VCs in the world. Um, <clears throat> and we talk about the future, right? We we talk about the growth. You know, our company is gonna triple or quadruple in revenue in one year, which is unheard of, especially during a, pand- during a pandemic, right? So once you put all of these together, um, you hope to sell, you know, um, or show the fact that, you know, this is a winning team and a winning company. Yeah, and I, I will say like, from my experience, everything you touched on is exactly what I was doing in terms of due diligence. Like if, if anybody's running, especially like a post-seed, pre-series A startup, exactly that, right? I'm looking yeah. at like the management team, obviously, and you can ask around, so that that's easy to do, like if, you know, through second, third connections. And yeah. I think obviously you're going to be doing the same and you do the same with investors. So it's a vice versa yeah. here. Uh, but yeah. you look at the, the addressable market, like, is this really a scalable? Like, is it big enough for me to stay here for the long run? Because ideally yeah. that's what you want to see. Um, and, and then is this also a problem that excites you? I think like, do you have something unique, let's say, to play in this kind of market? So it's not like yeah. you're, you're, you're a guy in, or a girl in, like, let's say, the cannabis sector. And you just happen yeah. to jump into like insure tech as an example, you know, like, right. is there something synonymous with what you've done in the past? So yeah. that it ex- excites you to actually, you know, ping the banks and, and sell them on this kind of solution. Yeah. Um, do you think, do you think the experience, like, like we never had insur- insurance background. Do right. you think, um, how, how important is that in your decision making when you look at the founder who came from, you know, for us, we always did consumer. And then this is the first time for Saurabh and I to be an enterprise. Vahid obviously brought a lot of experience um, from enterprise world, but you know, how, how do you look at that? I, I was actually really cool with it. And I think the, the reason was actually, you don't always need to have like deep experience. Uh, I think what, what may put comfort around my decision was like one, you both had uh, several exits in the past. So this wasn't like your first startup. So it de-risks a lot of like the questions around you as an entrepreneur, obviously. Like you've been in this game for quite a bit, man. Uh, that's number one. Number two, like I feel like you you guys had all the right complementary pieces, right? So it's not like all three of you were Sean's, because that can, yeah. you know, like you need you need someone like you on the hill. One, one is more than enough. But one is more than <laughs> enough, you know. Truthfully, like yeah. you know, it's like having like four Elon Musks, dude. Like that's, uh, you know, I don't know how. I don't how, know about that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, personality-wise, like I'm just right. talking in terms of a role. 
yeah. uh, you need someone like Vahid as an example to systemize the process to keep everyone like in ch- so you need someone like him you need uh, Sorab obviously on the technical aspect so once I got a feel for you guys honestly it was it was a fairly easy decision there and I think the last thing I'd say honestly well aside from like when we first had the conversation I didn't know how close we would we would become as like friends yeah. aside from work because we had yeah. so much in common right like yeah the UFC <laughs> stuff and stuff obviously yeah. that that was like a, a massive asset dude um yeah. but but regardless like i don't think you need to have similar as as many similar similar interests i think what's cool about you uh, personally you know as, as a as a ceo is like you're just the by far probably the most genuine that i've seen in the startup space you yeah. know yeah it's, it's kind of like how dana white is in, in the ufc like there's no you know hate or love the guy right the, at the right. end of the day you can't you can't say he he, he bullshits Right. And, and maybe he does in certain aspects. What I'm trying to get to is like he's raw. Like when he's doing a press conference, he doesn't beat around the bush. He'll give it to you straight. And he doesn't yeah. care whether he hurts you. And like he's just a, a straight individual. He's direct and he's genuine, you know. Yeah. And at the same time, yeah. I think that that creates like a fun environment if you can click with that pers- personality, which I obviously do. For sure. For sure. Right? I, th- I think pe- people, people are always attracted to people who are, who are just uh, pretty transparent and honest. That's um, what I mean. And I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. I think, yeah, I, think I, mean, that's, I think that's, that's what me the I most. To no, honestly, man, and I'm not just saying this because it's recorded. Like you obviously know this. Uh, I mean, we, we hate on each other all the time, so it's all good to give some love. But uh, <laughs> no, it, it's it's true, dude. And it, and I think that's missing, right? Because like in startup world, you can also sell a lot of fluff. And yeah. the last thing I'll say too, what I really appreciate actually from Vahid is he, and this stuck with me even to this day, dude. We'd always have these, you know, like the weekly meetings, and we go through the the, the pipe. And he'd always before we start, he'd look at me, and he'd always be like do not bullshit me today. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, look yeah. at the pipeline and like, no BS. Tell me yeah. exactly who are the clients who really understand the, the value prop and let's focus on delivering like the best value to them. Yeah. So it, it doesn't matter of having like, when you talk about the sales funnel or, or the metrics, uh, the reason I think why you guys don't, don't miss on those is because you're absolutely critical on like being truthfully honest about where you are versus yeah. like showing a pipeline of like 3000 you know, targeted companies, but none of those have any relevancy to OWL. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. One of our investors after we fundraised uh, told us that they've never seen a team that's more hard on themselves than us. <laughs> you know, we're very critical and we, we beat ourselves up and, you know, it, it makes us go old, but, you know, I think, I think at the end of the day, everyone will, will, uh, will, will benefit. Yeah. But at the same time, like the other thing I was going to say is the culture was always fun. You yeah, know, and, and and this is why like the dynamic is important, right? Because you always right. like, especially with you and Fahid specifically, like you have you know yeah. you have you have two different personalities essentially. Yeah. Uh, but you always brought that fun into it, man. And Fahid too, in in his way, you know. Yeah. Um, oh, totally. Yeah. Like no, we have we like, have a lot of fun. We have a yeah, lot. Yeah, like of you fun. guys have a good a dynamic. Of, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's such a high pressure, <clears throat> high stress um, job. Um, <clears throat> sorry, that's COVID. Um, <laughs> thank god um, this so, is virtual <laughs> <laughs> um, how is the how is the um the covid situation in chicago in chi uh it's it's not bad man to be honest like we're right now it's it's fairly open i'd say like it it seems 80 percent there yeah you know? like you can dine in capacity of four yeah. uh, gyms are open yeah like i wouldn't say it's it's that wow. bad yeah, yeah. BC, I got my... BC just went on a lockdown again. I heard, dude. Well, t- Toronto's the same. My Instagram is blowing up with people pissed off at like the whole Canadian situation. But 
Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty annoyed. Even though it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't change my life. All my training is like closed doors and private. Um, mm. But and and the office, you know, I've been in my office the whole time. But man, it's like we've vaccinated everyone over sixty-five now, or we will do in the next week. Who are we protecting at this point? Like, I believe like zero people um, died from COVID last few days. I don't oh, get yeah. it. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole situation too, right? Because they're not also vaccinating, I think, the younger cohort that like also is going out all the time. Yeah. And and there's like I was I was talking to my parents yesterday, man. The thing I don't understand about like I understand protect protect protection measures, wearing the mask, like I'm all for that. I'm not I'm not yeah. against it. But the whole point about staying at home to me, especially when summertime is rolling, doesn't make sense for two reasons. And I'm not talking about like conjuring in fucking concerts or like restaurants yeah. and having six hundred people on top of each other. Not that. Yeah. Yeah. But dude, if you quarantine, like, I don't know if you've seen these two reports, but number one is uh, there was a report that was done. I forget where. I think it's probably somewhere in North America or yeah. covering North America. But it, it showed that 80% of patients in hospitals who had COVID symptoms, 80% of them were deficient in vitamin D. That's the first yeah. part. Wow. And yeah. the second part was that there was a study. And by now, these are like studies that, that are uh, fairly credited. You know, at the yeah. time, there were still questions. And the second part was that uh, it, it basically like the, 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 the virus would die instantly. And I'm, I'm, paraphr- I'm not a doctor, but paraphrasing here. It basically dies instantly uh, when you're outside. Yeah. Wow. So it's not, I mean, it, it doesn't stick when you're like, you know, literally yeah. in, you know, in, in the sun yeah. as an example. And wow. anyways, I just, I, I think that when you're, when you're forced to quarantine, there are, there are other things people are not thinking about, dude. And my fiance being a psychologist, not that she shares any confidential stuff, but you know, she tells me hypothetically like what she's seeing, dude. It's not, it's not pleasant. We're talking yeah. like nor- normal oh, candidates yeah. who are dealing with severe depression. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think like we see it in ourselves. Um, like I'm, I'm losing my mind day by day, just knowing <laughs> that. Like just knowing. I mean, you become an entrepreneur because you don't want limitations, and then we get to be so limited to, to, to things. It, it drives you crazy. No, but it's, it's, it's had a huge um psychological um effect on me on my kids um what do you think it was for you like that psychological impact what was the difference um you know just being bogged down um you know not being able to like i used to at least like try to get away a weekend here or there see my friends um Mm. you know i have a lot of friends outside of canada um most of my friends so you know just not being able to see them um not see, not being able to see my parents like i haven't seen like i facetimed them but i haven't really seen them all of 2020 i still haven't seen them my dad got vaccinated waiting for my mom who lives um, close to you too right just so people know they, like yeah they, they, they live like something. yeah like 20 minutes away but it's you know i i used to see them every week but I haven't yeah. seen them in like over a year and you know um these are like the thoughts creep in that you know how much time do we even have with our parents for us to waste a whole year um so all the all those thoughts are very heavy. <laughs> you know, know, they, they they wear you down. Dude, and and it's it's real. Like not not yeah. to d- depress the conversation, but I had a I had a yeah. cousin, like a, a first cousin basically pass away and she's maybe like in 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 the fifties range, but fairly healthy, like doesn't yeah. smoke, doesn't uh, yeah, and, and obviously Lebanon's a whole different problem with infrastructure and hospitals, but you know, it's been a it's been a tough year because of that. And and it's funny, you I actually never thought of that in terms of the entrepreneur thing. Like yeah especially with a guy like you. I mean, I know, you know, it, it's tough for someone to be like, you got to sit at home and like you, you take orders in that sense. Yeah. yeah. As an entrepreneur, you're like, oh, well, 
Get the yeah, fuck out of yeah. my face. And, you know? <laughs> and, and to begin with, I have a serious problem with authority, too. So on top of that, I have to deal with that. <laughs> so it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's very tough. But yeah, I mean, like, I think the psychological effects, I think even economical, it's just, it's, it's you know, it's going to take years for us to bounce back from all this. Yeah. And, and that's the thing people don't address, right? Like, because everything right now is stimulated through like PPP loans and whatever. But yeah, you know, that's all really artificial, too. I mean, I think that's what yeah. people don't realize. Yeah, yeah. All that, all, all that is just around the corner waiting. You know, <laughs> exactly. everything comes back. Yeah. Literally, yeah. like what that looks like. What, what have you done, yeah. dude, to stay to stay? Because you talk about like, obviously, it having an impact, but you're here. Thank God. Like you're, you know, yeah. you're still here in the gym. Everything seems to be moving forward. I know it doesn't always look easy under the hood. Yeah. But what what are some things that help you just stay mentally sharp or well, get through training, it at least? Training training really helps. Yeah, getting to go to a gym and strangle other adults <laughs> uh, adults um, is is very helpful. Um, but but like the the one thing I'll say like if if I can take anything with me after the pandemic is just um, you know spending more time with my kids. Like that's one thing that I now I realize how much I how, how much I lacked pre-COVID because you know I was always traveling I was always like in the office all day long but having to work from home many days or you know just spending time with them you know they they weren't going to school for a while um, you know it, it was very nice and it was very special so I think like moving forward I'm I'm always going to dedicate more time to be to be at home so that that's how that that's been the um, the saving grace. Yeah, it's well, it's crazy you say that too, because I've also, I've heard that from a lot of people, specifically around the traveling part, like just, you know, having to spend more time at home actually yeah. was, there was a big positive around that. Uh, yeah. And it's funny, sometimes, like, I'll give you an example. I mean, my, my parents live in Lebanon. We always used yeah. to do WhatsApp calls. Never once did we ever do a Zoom call all together. Yeah. I'd call my, yeah. my sister separately or like, we, we have a WhatsApp group together, but we, yeah. we never used to have like these all in, you know, everyone yeah. gets together, my fiance's family. And, yeah. and sometimes it's 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 unfortunate to be honest that it takes something like this. It's kind of anal analogous to like when you're sick. You ever had the flu, yeah. dude, and you get knocked out on the couch for a week, and you're yeah. like, I swear to you, when, when I get back, dude, I'm not yeah. taking anything <laughs> for granted. I'm yeah, going yeah, straight yeah. back to the gym. I'm going to go for a walk in the park. It sucks, yeah. dude. But you need sometimes these like punches basically to to wake you up, right? But but does it ever? Work, like, do you ever come out of that flu and actually go? Fuck no. <laughs> I, I open Netflix and, and open a Cheetos bag, homie. Yeah. <laughs> I, beat, I beat flu once. I'll do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a warrior. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Orders Krispy Kreme. <laughs> Damn, we don't have Krispy Kreme in Canada. <laughs> Dog. Thank Yo, God. Man, the, the food here, though, got to tell you, bro. It's, uh, yeah, your, your boy's struggling to keep the weight. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. In Chicago, man, you got, the, you, got, you got the best of everything. It's crazy, man. There's a place, I don't know if you've ever been to a place called Portillo's. No. Dude, I got to tell you the story. Um, so, Jamie, Portillo's, bring it up. What's that? Yeah, Jamie, Jamie bring it up. <laughs> Pull it up, baby. Um, dude, uh, Portillo's is like, um, I'm trying to, it's like, it's not the same concept, but like think of like how important Tim Hortons is to Canada. This I'm I'm gonna butcher this 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 comparison. People are gonna hit on me, but whatever. You get the point. Um, yeah. So so it's like a fast food chain, right? Uh, Italian subs, sandwiches, hot dogs, that kind of stuff. But at Portillo's, they have like the most famous thing they have is this thing called the chocolate cake shake. All right, you Ooh. heard that right. It's a shake with a cake in it. Oh, it's not liquid, you mean? Oh, hold on. 
<laughs> so second here. <laughs> so th this is the shake. Dude, half of it is like liquidy. It's like what you expect in like a vanilla milkshake. But the bottom part, and it has chunks of that cake in it. Now, at the oh. bottom part, there's literally like a solid piece of cake left. I swear to you, dude, they literally it's would like, take a it's shake. Like, it's like a gift that gives on, keeps on giving. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, I, I, like, listen, it was great. I, I think I had diabetes the next day for sure. Uh, but it, it, it was, it was really good. But that's what I mean. Everything here is like loaded. If you get yeah. what I mean. Portions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just yeah go that's crazy. crazy. That's something that we don't see. Well, in Canada, let alone in Vancouver of all places, like it's like the greenest, healthiest, <laughs> like if you, if it, a, 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 um, you know, a, a restaurant like that would never make it in Vancouver. I don't know. Unless you have that's kale. <laughs> and <laughs> kale smoothies yeah exactly it's Smoothie very health conscious side. right in vancouver it's crazy yeah yeah you see everyone's like they're like crazy like every, there's like three gyms on every block they're all mm. packed um every restaurant has like mostly healthy options you don't see um we don't have stuff like that unfortunately i want to have a shake with cakes <laughs> <laughs> with cakes like, not yeah. a cake that, <laughs> no, that was cake. plural bro <laughs> that was plural I, I'm a, you know this, I'm a fat kid at heart. You oh, know you how too. much I eat. That's the worst <laughs> yeah, part, too. dude, because yeah, when, yeah. when we got together, that was yeah, like yeah, what yeah. hurt me the most. And the problem, though, is that you, you relatively can stay in that shape. Like, I think predominantly you would be like a mesomorph, like maybe more on the endomorph side, but you're kind of in that middle. Yeah. I'm a flat endo uh, endomorph, dude. So like when we eat the same thing, you know, if I eat a fucking lettuce, I plumb yeah. up the next day. You know? <laughs> So that, that's the problem. Like, and we were eating, you know, all this yeah. crazy stuff, the burgers. Yeah, yeah your capacity. No, how, how's the weight? I, I gained like 20 pounds last year. <laughs> of, of muscle or fat? What do we talk? Both, I think. Yeah. No, you have like 20 pounds. Yeah. 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 How did you make it out in the pandemic? Dude, honestly. Drop your I, weight secrets. Honestly, uh, <laughs> to start crying. <laughs> <laughs> uh no honestly i've 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 really i think i've I've done a good job at maintaining it yeah. um i I did though i like i went into into periods right like it wasn't yeah. fully consistent i probably because my parents came visited in the summer so you know gained a bit of weight but all in all um i'd say i probably dropped like five pounds which i wanted to uh okay so it was Holy good because every time i i, I leave so i like, i visit my, my family in the middle east dude i come back like 20 pounds heavier you know, yeah. so it's always a struggle to, to get back. Uh, yeah. but I, I did a lot of cardio because obviously gyms were closed at some point. So yeah. I just had to do a lot of body weight stuff. Yo I've been doing a lot of yoga, uh, but just yeah. more, more focused on like functional uh, health, let's say, or fitness. That's where I'm at yeah. now, dude. You know, like I, I want to be able to run the 15Ks. I want to be able to hold my body weight for extended periods of time. Still hitting yeah. the gym. I love weights, um, but it's more about like I just want to feel good in my, in my body. Yeah, you get what I mean. Like, I want to be yeah, able yeah. to do stuff. And you know what's funny is, I I just moved condos, by the way. So, uh, and even though, you know, like a condo move, it's not that uh, strenuous on the body, but it's like small things, right? You you have to set up a desk. You have to like it's it's a lot of functional stuff. And I only started feeling that th this move, where I just felt more. It was more easier on me if that yeah. makes sense like my back yeah. didn't hurt it didn't spasm if i was doing deadlifts all the time you, you get what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think you can relate you know my neck wasn't yeah. wasn't hurting or just the small stuff that well you know used to bring me pain. I, I i honestly can't relate because 
Um, I'm an adult. I get movers. <laughs> like, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> no, I got, uh, I got movers. I got movers, bro. But like once, once they move the stuff, it's on you now to unwrap all the stuff. No, right? no. no. Hey, guy, put that thing over there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did, I did all that I myself. Point. I point. <laughs> With like a shisha in your mouth? <laughs> bro, it's like the, the five minutes of glory where you get to order people around. You know, True. no, but it's like, I've, um, I, I, I joke with my wife because we, we probably have to move soon again. Okay. Um, and I'm like, we should just go to a hotel like for two days because it's so stressful, especially when you have kids, so like stressful. you don't understand. We have so much clutter. These kids, they I, con- I, I, like, I, I don't understand. Like we don't buy them anything because like everyone just keeps buying them gifts. But there's like closets and cl- and we keep giving toys away. I don't even know where it comes from. I feel like they manufacture toys in their rooms <laughs> or whatever. But but it's just like toys that they have, things that they like. I can't even explain. Like every storage room is like full. And this is not. This was not the case. Like my wife and I are not like hoarders or anything. But it's I just you. they're like yeah. It's you underestimate. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. So I'm like I'm like we should just go to a hotel for like a few days. Have the movers move everything, set everything up, um, and then we just move 100%. in. Like it's a, Dude, how I told my fiance the same thing. I swear <laughs> to God, I, I, once we finish the move, I, and keep in mind, this is a convertible. I'm yeah. not moving like a single house with kids. So this is what, yeah, to yeah. your point. When you said, like, yeah. I can't understand, I, I can't, number one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, and to your other point, uh, man, like, it, I had a one-bedroom. But again, I'm not a hoarder at all. Like, I really yeah. try to, as much as I can, go through and purge. And, and even that. I was so surprised by how much stuff I had. But the problem is too, because you have to box everything. Like, look, for like the bar thing that I have in the back, yeah. all that has to be bubble wrapped. Yeah. You know, like the wine glasses, the whiskey glasses, yeah. the, the, the flask. You can't just put that in a box. Yeah. You know? And I don't trust with someone doing that. At least not. Why now. not? Why not? I don't know, Sean. I'm not there yet, man. I'm not there. No, yeah, to- you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are. I think, I think that's, 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 you should have consulted with me before the move. I should have. I, I would have, I would have made that. this. I, I would have made this so much easier for you. I don't know, but just pay someone 20, 30, but your time is worth definitely more. <laughs> you know, I the agita, the, um, the, yeah, it's, it's like, you it, just it really gotta was. do it. Yeah, you yeah so I, it. I got movers and it was like, it's the Middle minute. Eastern. It's the Middle Eastern mentality. I'll do everything. <laughs> I, I can do it. Don't, 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 don't worry. Don't, I got I, it. I, I can do it. Go, go. I don't need you. I need you know? yeah. yeah, exactly. Bro. I, uh, well, it's funny. We baby and I used to always joke about this, like uh, especially when when uh, Arabs say "inshallah," yeah, it means it'll, it'll never happen. It'll you ever never hear happen, that? Yeah, dude. When yeah, someone yeah. says "inshallah," inshallah, I'm like, bro, don't tell me. I, once <laughs> I said this to Vahid, I didn't even know like he would be that pissed about it. And I'm like, yeah. he'll be like, dude, can you can you just uh, finish this off? I'm like, yeah, inshallah. He's well, like, in in in, don't in Iran, in Iran, it's like inshallah means God willing, right? Exactly. Um, Same thing. And. And yeah, so so God willing, um, uh, yeah, it's Arabic. I know it's the same yeah. thing. <laughs> well, for I was people explaining who might not to, your, know. to your listeners. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so so in in Iran, like culturally, when someone says inshallah, like if you ask someone to do something, and they say okay, inshallah means like yeah, I, I, God will, you know, if if God's willing, it will get done. Which, you know, it's just it's it's not the same as saying I'll do it. Exactly. <laughs> Tell me, give me certainty that you're going to do this yeah, task. Exactly. <laughs> I need a time. I don't line. know what God, God is willing or not willing to do. I don't know. That's, 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 that's don't don't put this familiar. on him, man. He has enough stuff to do, dude. Oh, like, man. Man, it yeah. must be tough. <laughs> yeah. So how is, um, 
hey, I, I've been meaning to ask you, what what happened in your lifetime that made you suck so bad at chess? Oh, fuck. I knew you were going to bring this up. All right. <laughs> like, okay. No, but I, like, I, there's a part two to the question. Okay. All right. Does it still hurt? <laughs> For those who don't know, <laughs> Sean and I played chess. <laughs> how did it like... go? Tell them how it went. Okay. I lost every single time. But you know what? I didn't know you were like number two in Iran for chess, dude. You you also like played it like, oh yeah, you know, I haven't played in like 40 years. Don't fucking lie to me. You play like every night for like six hours with Magnus Carlsen, all right? I did not lie. I haven't played in like, I hadn't played in like probably 15 years. But, okay, but, 15 but you still have motor skills. You still have yeah. motor skills, all right? Yeah. So, no, no, you're, do you you're, still play? Uh, yeah, honestly, I do. I, I really like it for fun. I mean, uh, especially here. I, I think I sent you the pictures, by the way, in Chicago, where we have that. I mean, it's it's such a cool thing, but I feel like it's so underutilized. Dude, next, yeah. next to the lakefront, they literally have all these. You, you see them probably in New York, the ones where they literally print out the board on, on concrete. Yeah. So they have maybe like 10 of those, but it's like right next to the lakefront. So you wow. hear that, like, the, the, you know, there's a breeze, the wave hitting, and you're out there playing. You know, it's not virtual chess, obviously, because now that's the biggest thing. But yeah, and it was for some time on chess.com. But um, yeah, I, I love to, to do that, like in person. I just enjoy the yeah. game, man. Uh, yeah, I really it's enjoy so much fun. it. It's so fun. Even when, when you lose uh, hysterically, like I did uh, with our matches. I but... can't. Like, I would be the worst loser. Like, if I lose, I'll, I'll stop talking to you. Right. <laughs> it's <laughs> like a sore loser. <laughs> be like, Unfollow oh, me I on Instagram. Quit. I would, I would quit. Like, I'm that guy. If I lose, I will quit work and I will just like get consumed and start reading again. I'd be like, why am I so shit at this? <laughs> well, that's you the know? thing with Jess. I don't know if you saw, I think Magnus actually retired uh, probably like a week yeah. ago. Uh, but it's yeah. one of those things, dude, where like there's so much, first of all, to learn. It's yeah. always continuous. I, I don't think there's like a, a cap to it, you know, and, and it's enjoyable too because I feel like when I started playing chess and that's something we talked about, like I always would just play for fun. Right. Yeah. It was never something like that. I mean, I always try to be competitive, but yeah. what I meant was like, whenever I lose, let's say, I'd never look back at, at how I played or what the other yeah. person did. I wouldn't analyze yeah. basically. And that's what chess.com does very well. Uh, yeah. And there's like a whole different side to chess that I wasn't necessarily paying attention to. I just play, I'd lose. Okay. I play again. But if you do that in chess, as you know, you're yeah. never going to get better because you have to know different openings. You have to know how to defend different, like it's just, you have to get there. And you can't yeah. just do that naturally unless you're like a, a savant like Magnus, maybe. But yeah. even he yeah, has yeah. to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's a mad game, man. I remember like when I was a kid, I, I played really, really like seriously. I, I read all the books, like every book that I could find in libraries I would read. Um, when I was 13, my, my, my score was over 2,100. Um, oh my god That's and crazy. i would travel i would tra i was that kid i would, I would like travel to like go to different countries and play chess um but man it, it's like like i don't remember a lot of the openings but i remember i had like because you know you, you memorize the opening right like the right. first the first few like the first 20 moves is is by the book like no one really goes out like the variants they yeah. use you start a sicilian and then someone does a sicilian something's gambit and then mm -hmm. you you know you, you play different uh variants and you have to memorize all those variants right. um because you don't want to waste time yeah you can yeah. tell about how and, fast the openings are versus like three hours down mm -hmm. the road there's like they take them an hour on like one move yeah yeah because if you go outside of that variant a thousand people before you have tried 
and you know how that's going to go out. So it's just, it's, you don't, you don't make those mistakes. So the first, like that's, that's one of the things I think chess should just start after the opening, <laughs> you know, for the professionals. So yeah. Cause um, yeah. And that's what they say too. It's like, when you, uh, like the, what makes someone like a master at chess as an example, a grandmaster or whatever is, is actually to your point, like when you have a few pieces and it's literally like a gridlock, yeah, you know, and you only have two or three pieces for, for instance, to, to, yeah. to, to beat someone. It's not like, you know, the, it, you don't, you don't usually win in the opening unless you're like an extreme beginner, you know, like yeah. in my case, when I first started out, that's, that's what would happen. And I'm like, how is this ha You know, there's like a few yeah. of those tricks, but yeah. to your point, if, if you don't know how to defend, you're going to get caught really easily. Yeah. But obviously any grandmaster, and that's why sometimes you see them with notepads to your point, because they're, they're writing down the moves so they don't forget because there's yeah, all types to. of combinations. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. You you write it so you can analyze it later too. Um, I wrote all my games down. You want to hear a funny story? This one time I was playing. Um, this was like the the best person I, I I played. He was he was this Russian guy, grandmaster, and I was like fourteen. And um, you know we we played it until you know he had, he had his um, king and maybe like four pawns. I had a king and four pawns. It was a gridlock. Oh, sorry. We each had a rook too. Right, okay. but it was a grid. Like if he had moved his rook, I would take one of his pawns and vice versa, and we had each other uh, gridlocked. Um, <laughs> I offered him a draw. Um, he said no, uh, and you know you can only offer a draw twice, right? Twice, so yeah. and then he tanked for like forty minutes, oh. right? And then he offered a draw. I accepted, and I was like the best, the best yeah. um, feeling in the world, right? But, but and then he's like, he, and and then afterwards we were talking, and he's like, oh yeah, I was contemplating doing this. I'm like, oh that's easy, I would have just done this. He's like, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. He's like, he's like, oh you're an idiot. I should not have offered a draw. He's like, if you do that, I can just do this. And I was like, oh. <laughs> so, oh my god. I um, yeah. So that's I hilarious. That I does the play. He thought he he had assumed that I had seen that move, and he was he was running low on time. But had he made that move, he would have won. So, well, a lot of it is like stamina too. That's the, the really cool thing. I mean, I don't know if people know, but in like a serious match, at least you can burn up to like two thousand calories. Uh, so it's is that true? A hundred percent, dude. Uh, Gary Kasparov talks about this actually. Um, is he a nutritionist? Like. <laughs> what, no. does, what does Gary Kasparov know about <laughs> calorie burn? Dude, they actually did a study though. They they did a study on oh. like the, the the top grandmasters, and I'm talking wow. like obviously the matches that would go on for like maybe two or three hours, yeah. know, at the, at the grandmaster level. Uh, but it's it's all it's all mental too. Like because oh, because yeah. you're there for three hours in like serious concentration, you're burning up to yeah. you know a thousand two thousand calories. And you're sitting yeah, down. I mean, I mean, you feel exhausted afterwards. But, so. but that's what I was going to get yeah. to. Like, even when we play, like, average games, but, dude, play, yeah. like, six games in a row, and you feel tired. You feel kind of like when, when you, you're, like, you're spent, you know, and you can't describe it. It's not like a body, yeah. Uh, yeah. A body fatigue, but. Yeah, no, absolutely yeah, but, correct. Yeah, and it's, uh, and it's crazy, too. The other thing I was going to say is, like, sometimes when you're a kid, and that's why you see sometimes kids beating grandmasters, is you don't have kind of a sandbox, you know? Like, you're... It's like when Magnus uh, also uh, drew, uh, what's his name? Uh, Karpov, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Or not Karpov. Um, was it? Ka I think it was Kasparov as well. I think he drew him when he was like 12 or something. Four, I can't remember his age, but he was, he was a kid. Yeah. There's like that, yeah. that infamous uh, picture of the yeah, two. I, I, think, I think it was Karpov. Was it? Yeah, right. one, one of the I two. Think, yeah. Uh, anyway, like that shows you, right? Because sometimes you're, you're so into your mind. Uh, yeah. 
And I think when you're a kid, yeah. you're also creative. You're not maybe as stressed. You don't really know what, like, I don't know if you're as stressed as someone who's a, you know. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not living. It's, it's not, um, it's not as important to you as when you're, but in some, I just think kids, um, you know, they, they connect the dots way faster. Like, even when I look at my kids, when they play video games, like, I can't even, I don't even know what's going on. And they're like, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So I feel like, I feel like they, they can probably go through more variations um, in less time. I had a question think, actually for you regarding your kids now that you, you bring that up. You mentioned like that they were such an important piece to, to your mental health throughout this. And I also hear the other side of like how difficult it can be when you have younger kids going through this. You're working, they're at yeah. home, they're not at school, all that stuff. And for me personally, dude, like I've, it, it's made me more nervous to, to think about having kids, especially in an environment like this, where you have to think about so many other variables. Yeah. Um, so just curious, like, how do you, how have you managed basically Come like parenting? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get these compare. I hate when people say that. Like, I get that some people have a hard time with kids, but it's just kids. <laughs> they're, they're like, honestly, like, don't second, don't second guess it. I, I, I don't like, it's not a lot of work. It's a lot of fun. You know, it's just like having 100%. many use you wrestle with and you, you know, you, you mess with and, you know, I troll them all the time. It's just so much fun. Um, you know, same, same arguments when the people say, you know, they're too expensive. They're not like, oh, I, I don't think you, you, well, you obviously can't put a price and I'm not, I'm not second guessing still yeah. want to have yeah, kids yeah. for sure. Yeah. I just, yeah, I yeah. hear that a lot too, right? Like, especially yeah. post COVID, like uncertainties and whatever you hear this often now. Yeah. And even friends like, dude, like, we'll we'll be at a dinner and I just hear these conversations. And again, yeah. for you, like, I see, I see I how think, much I think happiness it brings. Yeah, yeah, I think it's overcomplication. The reason why I was saying all that is because people overcomplicate it, where it's such a simple thing. It's such a, it's such a um, natural, you know, I think we're all natural until we get into our own heads and we think about all these things. It's really, it's really, um, you know, it's, it's not that hard. I like I don't think it's that hard. I think I think it's a lot of fun. Um, like I look forward and like don't get me wrong, they piss you off all the time. <clears throat> yeah, it's challenging, yeah. but it's not doesn't mean yeah, that yeah. it's painful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they're 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 annoying a lot of the times. And you know, you know, they, I heard I heard this thing the other day and I thought it was really funny. It's like if if um if you don't hate your kids, then you're not a good parent. There's and something I think wrong. That's, yeah, that's. I think that's that's um that's very accurate because if you don't hate them, you you just have, sorry. If you don't hate them, you just haven't spent enough time with them. Enough if time. you've spent enough time with them, they just they have driven you crazy, which is true. But it's just so rewarding. The 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 juice is so worth the squeeze. You should definitely consider it. Like what's what's holding you back? Oh no, hundred percent. I'm nothing. But at this point, it's just that you know we just got engaged. Is, is your fiance around? Is that why you're saying nothing? No, no, nothing. <laughs> no, what? What? We're gonna have six kids. <laughs> no, she's not. She's not right now. Uh, no, no. We 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 definitely plan to, man. Um, we, we're gonna get married first, obviously. Right now, and you know, enjoying the engaged life, uh, and also yeah. the big the big thing we're just waiting for is for her to finish school. So she's yeah. doing a PhD in psych. I think she has like two years left because uh, yeah. it's just it's too much to handle right now. Uh, and I, yeah, as you know, um, so it's like just finishing up that, and then yeah moving into the next I'm excited I'm really excited about it man and I think to your point like Jordan Peterson talks a lot about this but it's like that it's 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 the next elevation and not yeah. only that but like you're so selfish when you don't have someone else to think about and sure you can have your parents but a kid is, is something very different so yeah. I, I heard him talk about this on a podcast and it's just like a, it's a different level of maturity because you don't focus on yourself anymore like everything yeah. is dedicated to that one individual who you're trying to bring up hopefully in a, in a good way 
Yeah. Yeah. That, that's that's absolutely accurate. I feel like I feel like and I don't have any stats to back this up. I just looking at uh, you know people around me. I think um, you know, it's been a lot tougher for women during this pandemic. You know, moms in specific in, in especially, right? A they have to um, you know, I think we get it much easier. They have to I think you know, in, in my circle of friends, um, you know, a lot of moms stopped working, stayed home, um, you know, taking the burden for a lot of um, challenges that come with having kids trapped inside of the house. So I think, yeah. I think, um, I think, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'd be interested to see um, uh, stats on that. But I think, you know, I, I worry about the mental health of, of, of women during this time. Because you also have, and by, I mean, we're, in this case, we're talking about <clears throat> women who choose to be stay-at-home moms as an example yeah uh but like to, to your point i think it's because you also have maybe a scapegoat in this example right sorry you, just to go back I, yeah. I don't mean that choose to like i i'm i feel i feel or i worry that it's it's a lot of force to nowadays like yes uh, the I, ones I that, that's yeah. always that's that's always been the case the ones that choose to i think they're 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 you know incredible but the ones that are now forced to i think it's um it's, it's, it's even, more of a even tougher too. yeah yeah. Yeah. Because you still have a scapegoat, right? Like you go to the office, there's, yeah. you know, uh, you're, you're running a company, the gym, et cetera. Yeah. But, you know, you're, you have to stay at home. You care for the kids. You're also like, you're homeschooling them. You're doing the yeah. chore. Like there's so much going on, dude. It's, right. Uh, yeah. It's not easy, man. Uh, no. That's that's for no. sure. Uh, that's it's, tough. It's, yeah. But it, it's, it's, but, a it's, good but it's, it's, it's great experience for the kids to, to spend so much time with their parents. That is true. I think that yeah. is true. Are your kids like, playing with other kids at the same time because that's the other thing i naturally thought of that would worry me is like yeah. especially if they're like because so my for instance my cousin moved it to, to austin and she just had her baby i think in march of 2020 yeah so he's like call it from like zero to one is he's growing up in an environment where there's no socialization yeah you know and that's critical as you know like the first four years or whatever uh, yeah but your kids are a bit older than that thankfully but like just curious yeah, but I mean, like, they can't have sleepovers. They can't, a lot of things that they had before, like, you know, they, they kind of go to playgrounds with some friends, but not as often as before. One thing I do worry about is their immune system. Like, you know, kids are constantly sick when they go to school and that's how right. they build their immune system, right? That's mm -hmm. how, um, that's, that's how we all build when we're kids, you know, every, every other day, one kid is sick. Um, but now they just haven't been sick all year because they've just stayed at home. I worry that when we go back, you know, with, with, with weaker immune systems, um, they, when they go back, it's, it's going to be chaotic. Yeah. I hope that's, not, but I mean, <laughs> that is a challenge, right? Um, yeah. or, or at least like, if you get the cold, it might be even more impactful. That's what I've been hearing too. Cause we're, yeah. we're sanitizing all the time and that's not something natural to the body. Right? Yeah. Where you deflect yeah. these things. Exactly. Uh, I'm curious too, man. Have you ever like drawn similarities from what you do with wrestling? Because if, again, if people don't know, that's like probably one of the hardest sports to to, to be doing. Like the the mental toughness you need as a wrestler, you know, yeah. or even BJJ or any of the sports that you do. Do you ever pull things that you learn from there into family or into work life? Oh, everything, everything. I think. What are some of those lessons? Yeah, wrestling, wrestling. Um, you know, teaches you a lot about endurance and perseverance. So in wrestling, we have a thing called, you know, in, in jiu-jitsu, you can submit someone and they tap, you let them go. In wrestling, there's no tapping, right? So we call it a mental tap. So when you have two, um, when you have two really skilled wrestlers, there is a defining point where, you, where you're, when you're, um, you know, um, as, as you're trying to, you know, mold, mold the other person, 
one one of you taps mentally, and that's when you win the match, right? And that me mental tap comes after a lot of you know, uh, you know, you have to beat the uh, like yeah, it's a grueling, grueling um, part of it. Process, yeah, yeah, it's a, pro a grueling process. So um, that that's that that teaches you, I mean, in in business to just just have a very thick skin, um, not you know, not mentally tap <clears throat> so quick. And from jujitsu, um, it, it's an incredible. Like I, I highly recommend everyone to put their kids into jujitsu for a reason. Where it's it's very clearly the more like the more experienced you are, the better you get. It teaches you, you know, as a white belt, like a blue belt. Again, exceptions aside, but a blue belt always beats a white belt. A purple belt always beats a blue belt. It's just, and you, you only advance by putting reps in, mm. right? <clears throat> And that's how that's how I approach life. Like everything that I want to do, if I want to do something like like enterprise sales, I tell myself I'm a white belt right now. I need to just put in reps. I need to put in reps. I, I need to read. Analogy. I need to I need to practice. I need to. Just, I become a blue belt, and then I become a purple belt. And then in every little aspect of the business, I'm either like more advanced or less advanced. And I I, I treat it the same way. And you know you realize the more time you put into it, um, the more reps you put into it, the better you get. And that's um what i really want my kids to know too i mean there, there's no there's no magic way you just got to put the reps in you get better dude you know what, what, what and i love that analogy by the way man um it's it, the other thing i think with, with jiu-jitsu too is I, i'm the type of guy who like my previous personality or part of it was like instant gratification and i think a lot of the younger cohorts have that too you know like you enter bjj a year later you want to be a black belt right you want to yeah. just like kind of rush it a little bit uh, and I've learned through stuff like this, as an example, or even like boxing, whatever, like it, you're, you're forced to realize it's going to take time, whether you like it yeah. or not, because again, yeah. you, to your point, if I roll with a brown belt, I'm going to get my ass handed to me yeah. immediately. And yeah. you just, you, it's like chess at the same time. Like you feel it's, it's, it's like a feeling Did you feel yeah. the difference between you and someone who's elevated and who's taken the time and yeah. BJJ it can take up to 10 years to get to a black belt. Yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. So there's no rushing. In some cases. There's no, like, no, there quick, is. Yeah, there's no quick process, there is what I'm saying. There isn't. Yeah. And they tell you, and you know, they tell you from day one. It's a, well, they say there's a saying that a black belt is a white belt that never gave up. Yes, <laughs> you yes, know, sir. and you just, and you just gotta, you just gotta put in the time. It's like anything else. And yeah, I put both my kids in, in Jiu Jitsu when they were two and a half. So wow. they're going to be monsters. Oh <laughs> Ronda Rousey and like John Jones. Yeah. Is that what yeah, you're exactly. reading at home? <laughs> I'm scared. Dude, if, well, if gonna... someone tries to rob your house, like when you're, yeah. when your kids are growing up, like let's say they're both 18 and over. Yeah. The, yeah. Big mistake. <laughs> big, yeah. big mistake. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I sleep, I, I sleep better at nights knowing that, you know, no boy is going to try to be inappropriate with my girl without getting armbarred. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, dude, that's crazy. But it's, it's such a good thing, actually. Like we talk about that a lot when we have kids, that's something I want to do. You used yeah. to, you, I don't know if you, 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 you also saw this, but like in the past we would, I was putting karate as an example when I was like maybe 10, like that used to be the thing. BJJ at that point was still not where it yeah, is today. Yeah. You know, and karate, like, although it's it's still, I think it's a good form, it's an asset to have regardless, but it, to me, it felt more choreographed. You know, yeah. like in a real life scenario, I'd get slapped, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like me doing like, ah, 
Yeah, and like yeah. You know, shifting your legs. <laughs> like karate, 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 kung fu. I mean, they're they're incredible. They're incredible. Uh, Don't like, get me like wrong. When you when when you take like aspects of it, but they're very heavy on the arts part of the martial arts, right? Correct. Correct. Um, whereas whereas you know jujitsu, even judo, um, you know wrestling, muay thai. They're just like they only focus on effective ways to hurt the other person, submit the other person, um, and no fat. Yeah, like, right. and you see that with Stephen Boy Thompson, right? Like, I'm not dismissing karate in any yeah. means, by the way. Like, obviously, yeah. there's a different level that I'm talking. You're worried. I, 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 you're worried. You're worried of your karate audience coming and kicking your ass. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just being sensitive here, but 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 as a caveat, just so you know, I was doing I was doing karate on Sundays at 10 a.m. in the in a YMCA in Ottawa. All right, so we're, we're we're talking about two different karate's here, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah the, the cool no, thing I mean, too about yeah, oh, what's that? Go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say like with BJJ, I mean the fight ninety percent of the time, as, as you know, is gonna end up on the ground, right? Like yeah. unless you get knocked out, hopefully not in a first brunch or whatever. But even yeah. if like you can literally just like tur go turtle mode and like lay on your back and let the fight come to you, and yeah. a lot of people in BJJ who are not experienced in boxing end up doing that if they're in a yeah. fight scenario on the street or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and a breed like Stephen Boy Thompson, that's that's a rare breed, right? Like majority of fighters, like majority of champions, if you take a look at them, they're either wrestlers, um, they're mostly grapplers when you think about it, and some strikers, right? Like Muay Thai strikers. They're not they're not really karate strikers. Um, I think it will evolve over time. I think I think we're 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 very early stages of MMA. Um, and I think people are still trying to figure out like it's crazy, like we're so early when you think about it where you know some new move comes like calf kicks calf kicks weren't a thing like if you look That's at true. like three years ago it's just like recently like people are doing calf kicks and it's so effective it just renders the other person useless you saw what right? happened with connor recently yeah 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 exactly and and i think it's like it's rare to see it like be part of a sport where it's so early where you see like new moves developing <laughs> you know that's great it's crazy and, and you you see a lot of people aren't prepared for it right yeah uh, especially like i feel like when you're a when you're a boxer too that's the, the problem is like you're you're more heavy on your front foot and obviously in yeah. MMA you're gonna get that kick the crap out of uh yeah. and i think that's maybe what happened with the dustin fight uh is that he realized that connor was kind of fun heavy it just kept yeah. abusing that foot man and and it, it it's easy to say oh you could just pull that back but you know, in, in the moment of a fight, yeah. Anybody Especially who says that has never been in a fight. Dustin, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like yeah. you, you can't just so say, easy. "Oh, yeah, just to pull back that leg." Like he's gonna find yeah. a way to still tap it. It's, it's not. And by the way, it only takes oh. like three or four taps, dude. Like, th like one. Oh Have my god. Have you ever god. been calf kicked? It's fuck. It sucks. Dude. It hits a nerve where your leg. You can't like I I uh, last spar just just a few days ago. I got calf kicked and I couldn't walk. Oh my it was god, like, it's the worst. It was because it's a, it's a tender. Area. Yeah, it's not like there's a lot yeah. of muscle. It's not like maybe on, on your outer quad or something where, yeah. where you can kind of check it too, right? It's always going to be kind of soft, per se. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole leg goes numb. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I um, think, like, like, let me call it on your podcast. You know what I sure. think is going to be the next big thing in MMA? Once, yeah, leg, keep going. Leg, lo leg locks. I think that's oh. that's going to be, yeah. Like, like just, um, you know, grapplers coming in, grabbing a hold of your leg and either getting you in a, uh, in, in, in a heel hook or a toe hold or a, um, even an ankle lock. That's going to be the next thing. Like, if you see the breed, like the Gordon Ryans, um, all these guys going to 1FC. Wait till these guys start, like, 
on a serious MMA circuit. It's all going to be a leg lock. So all the hands are crazy, guys. Yeah. Interesting. I called it. What are you, well, speaking of calls, uh, I got two questions for you. Uh, ben Askren. Yeah. Jake Paul. <laughs> I don't know, man. Be honest. Uh, it's, it's like, have you seen the movie Dumb and Dumber? Are you doubting this? Really? <laughs> you're not going to go Askren? Dude, a lot of people are going to be pissed with you right now. Please don't tell me you're going to go with a YouTuber. Really? I'm not. I, here's the thing. I'm not going to go with either. I hate that fight. It's a dumb fight. And it's, I, well, who cares? Who cares? It's, it's literally like watching like two irrelevant people in a sport doing that sport. Who cares? Like, I don't care. I, I don't want to see that fight. But if I have to put money. Come on. You're not ah, interested in it, in it by the least. No. Like, are you all going to watch it? it all? I, I'll watch it. I'll, I'll gamble on it. But I mean, like, yeah. do I think like, I, I would hate Askren losing. But here's the thing. But here's the thing. I know people say, like, Askren's a fighter. He's been punched in the face. He has a fighter's attitude. But it's boxing. Like, you, you never boxed. boxed. Yeah, yeah never boxed. You, you box, right? Like, it's, it's, it's totally different. Like, three, like, at least, who is it, Jake or Logan Paul? Which one is it? Jake, Jake. Paul? Yeah. Okay. Logan. So, Jake has been boxing, what, three years? <laughs> like, okay. So, if someone, and, and, and then you have to make an argument that combat sport translates, right? that a wrestler can can now box then if that's the case like if i have to see floyd mayweather who's the best boxer ever try to grapple with a blue belt i'm going to put the house on the blue belt it'd be the funniest like so many memes would come <laughs> out of that so yeah. many memes yeah so why do we so why do we think ben askren with literally zero boxing experience is going to beat jake paul with 0.1% boxing experience like i don't maybe but yeah huh? It's a know. tough call, dude. Because you're you're right. Like, he, and he he hasn't fought anybody serious. Like, you can't count the Nate Robinson one, obviously. Yeah. But still, if you've had legit training, and he has money, so I'm assuming he has some really good guys in his corner. Let's be honest. Yeah. And and okay, like yes, you're hitting pads, and you can look better when you're hitting pads versus in, in real life. But the problem too is wrestling translates better in MMA than it would in boxing, because yeah. and 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 Askren talks a lot about that. Again, the the, the like being heavy on your front foot. You know, and yeah. also ha having the reflex of like, when you see that in MMA, you would either kick or take down, right? Immediately. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. and you saw that with, with the, the Jorge Masvidal fight. You saw like Askren immediately go for the, for the, for the sweep. Yeah. And that didn't pan out, obviously, but yeah. you, you can see like where his, where his reflex go. And boxing, like you're limited, dude. All you can do is, is you know, your hands and. Uh, and the problem is like, if it was Muay Thai, at least, I would, I would, I would give an edge to Askren because he can clinch. And there's no getting out of a clinch with Ben Askren, right? Like he could wear you down, get you really tight. But in boxing, they separate you when you clinch. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Like I, I, it could go either way. I, I don't care either way. Like I would hate for Askren to lose. I hope Askren wins. But if I have to put like my house on it, I wouldn't know which way to put it. Like I, I don't know. Like being completely honest, I don't know. So you, I think they both suck. <laughs> 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 it is, it, it, it's it's such an unnecessary fight, dude. That's the other it's like. So unnecessary. And they're making the sport of boxing like you know, if I was a boxer, you know, yeah. like a King Ryan or whatever, like I'd be kind yeah. of pissed or Canelo, yeah. like because it is it is kind of you never see that with basketball. I mean, yes, you kind of see it with uh, what's that uh, that basketball team called Harlem Globetrotters or whatever. There's a yeah. bit of it, but you know, it's never official. Like it's not on an on an official stage. Yeah. Where people yeah. are, are buying pay-per-views and whatever. Like, I do like the idea of like, oh, two people have beef; they should just fight it out and make like, a lot of in, money in a ring. Yeah, or 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 just for audience. 
Like, I would love it. I would love to fight the heat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, dude. I would. I swear to you, I'd, I'd literally pay $10,000. I would never do that for a UFC. I mean, uh, who, depends who, who's fighting. Yeah. I would buy yeah. a front row seat instantly. That's funny. That's funny. Like, people you work with, people you live with, like, just like, you have beef, just get in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> dude, that, that's actually a great concept. That's a great yeah. concept for like a new business, the, ele- yeah. the elevation of, of the UFC. Yeah, um, yeah, we, we call it CTE. <laughs> <laughs> Concussion Central. <laughs> Tune in today. Um, dude, I, I got I to gotta ask you too. I know we're, we're hopefully not running tight on time here, but we're, we're, we're close to it. But um, I did want to hit on a couple of things still, uh, more, more so on the entrepreneurship side before we wrap up. But you, you, you did have two exits previously, uh, one to Cosette, one to Microsoft, for those who don't know. And these are the ones that, that I came to know about, you know, when we were a three. I, I know, I just, I mentioned the, the heavy hitters, though, obviously. I'm, I'm trying, <laughs> well, the I'm heaviest hitter you didn't mention, the one that went public. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm building FOMO, all right? That's the okay. whole point. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. but yeah, so you had, you had two, two exits on the M&A side, one on the IPO side. Just curious, like, how, how has that exit process been for you as an entrepreneur? Because I always hear different stories. I yeah. hear like either haunting stories. I hear really good stories. I hear kind of, it was, it was break even, you know, financially, but also morally. So just yeah. curious, how was that for you and for those listening? Like what, what advice would you give? Yeah. Having gone through um, I think for younger, like I was young um, for the first two exits and the first three, I'm still young. Um, I feel like the the M and A the M I always sold too early. I think that's common between um, you know young founders. You know you get you, you you get a check shown in front of you, and I never raised money, so I didn't have any investors with me. When you have when you have VCs, um, you know you build a lot of discipline, and you know you're no longer after like a small return. You have to go for a much bigger return, and they and they help you think a lot bigger. Um, but I didn't have any of that. So we never raised money for those companies. So, uh, you know, a, you know, when they, someone dangles a check in front of you as a young entrepreneur, you're like, hell yeah, especially a big name like Microsoft. You're like, you know, <laughs> that's going to go on Sounds my resume. Great. Yeah. But, you know, in retrospect, I sold those way too early. I should have um, stuck the gun, you know, made them, you know, probably tenfold bigger before, before even like considering like I'm not considering acquisition right now with Al. Even if we got a, we got a, like, because I know how big it's gonna get. Um, we have a real shot of a of a unicorn, so we would be silly not to pursue it. Mm-hmm. That's one. Um, the the IPO. That's just something that that that's a tough one, man. Like it takes a specific um, CEO and founding team to take a company public and then keep it public, right? So true. Um, so true it's a whole different um, ball game. It's not your, your, I feel, I felt like at least in my experience, the product was no longer like the innovation was no longer the product. It was, mm-hmm. you know, and your product was now your stock, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and, you know, I spent a lot of time in my short time in, in the public uh, uh, sphere, just, just with, you know, PR and, and, you know, IR, damage IR. control. And yeah, yeah. If, if you're doing well, how do you, how do you report it? If you're not doing well, how do you hide the, you know, how do you, how do you, skeletons. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, and, and that to some people that's exceptionally, you know, uh, exciting, you know, and to some founders it's not, I, I, right. I tend to be the founder that likes to build something from scratch, get it to that point. 
um, and less so afterwards. Got it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I hear so that those, all the time. Those are, yeah. yeah. Dude, I don't know if, well, on the Tim Ferriss podcast, Toby Lutke, who's the CEO of, of Shopify and the, the founder, Yeah. He, he talked about that, actually, that he, he like, yes, they took it public, and obviously that was a massive success, but him personally, like, as a founder, it, he hated that part. Hated, yeah. like, the IR, all the stuff that came with it. But Harley yeah. Finkelstein, who's now the president and was one of the early co-founders as well, loves it. Yeah. So he had someone to take that over and he's like, please do all that stuff. I'm going to focus on something else. Oh, yeah. You know, so yeah. There, are, there are some CEOs that are just monsters in the public sphere. They do so well. You know? yeah. yeah. And others yeah, yeah. struggle. But you're right. It's, it's, it has to be. It's not right for every company. Certainly not right for every personality yeah. or CEO right. type. Um, yeah. But yeah, you're. And, and by the way, like on your other note of selling too early, I, literally this morning I was scrolling on LinkedIn and I don't know if you know uh, Justin Can, who no. he, so he, he co-founded Twitch which is obviously the massive streaming platform now. Yeah. But at the time he sold, I think in 04, sold it to Amazon for 900 and something million dollars, which to yeah. him at the time was obviously significant. Yeah. Uh, now it's valued at, at around 15 billion approximately. Yeah. So we talking about like, was it too early? And he's like, well, two things. He's like, one, I, I don't regret it because at the time that was what we felt was like, and at the time it was like overvalued. You know, we, we were talking like 2004. And he also said yeah. that without Amazon's help, and their infrastructure and resources, it also wouldn't be likely where it is today in his vision. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he's more about like the happiness versus like how much money I can keep on accruing. You know. Yeah. So there's different views, but yeah, that that was an interesting example that I came across today. Yeah, I think that's a, that's an interesting story you tell yourself to sleep better at night. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, or, I'd rather or, cry or, in a Rolls Royce, but I mean, listen, yeah, I, it's still a billion dollars, like, dude. If, if if deep down, if if your company is gone, you know, fifteen. 15 folds in in what like six years um and you don't you have zero regrets then i don't know like i i can't i can't um would you uh, be sad yeah i would yeah i mean like i wouldn't be sad but i would beat myself up i would think about i would constantly think about things i would do differently mm -hmm. um i would think about okay yeah amazon help what if i had constructed the deal in a way where i could get amazon's help but i still retain equity um it's not healthy, that's for sure. But you know, <laughs> just I w I would be that person. I constantly replay every deal in my head. What's been for you like the most important so far? What's it, whether it's like a mentor, a resource, a book? Like, has, has there been this like one thing for you that's really guided you within? You spoke a bit on the investor side; they've helped yeah. obviously. But has there been anything else like a big influence in your life? Um, yeah, of course. I mean, like everywhere from, um, you know, obviously my wife, I have to say that. She <laughs> <laughs> you probably shouldn't have said that, that the second part. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to edit that. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think one thing that's really helped me, and I always say this, is, uh, you know, I, I never did the journey alone. Like I, I have, I have co-founders. I, I am humbled, but I, and I don't even get people like the solo founders um, that, that build a company because it's, it's so grueling. Um, and it's a very lonely experience. It's very, very lonely. You know, the highs are high, but the lows are very, very low. And not to have co-founders that share the lows with you or, you know, uh, you know help you pick, pick you back up. I think that's, that's the hardest part. And I think that's one thing that you know, has always helped me is having, having, having really, you know, bought in um, co-founders who, who are just dedicated to it. I don't have to worry about that. They're half-assing to it. One of them is my brother. So he's, he can't even, you know, he can't even, 
you know, Get bounce if it. you wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and but he's just like another brother. So I think that that those are those are the um, the the foundation, I think that it takes. And then after that, I mean, we have we have a lot of advisors, right? Um, we surround ourselves with with you know people who have operated multi billion dollar companies, with VCs that that have seen every um, uh, uh, strategic you know advantages disadvantages of every move that you make. Um, we have like deep insurance people. We have we have you know, and so we're always constantly like we have weekly meetings with everyone. And we bounce ideas off of them. Um, we get their feedback, and then we make the call. You know, but I think I think that's just just the people is everything. Um, you could read all all you can, but having people that have done it, been there, done it, um, that can can bring uh, uh, you know relevant experience into what your next decision is going to be is everything. Well, it's crazy too because you often hear like, "Don't go into business with your family." But both yeah. of your brothers and, and I saw Sam join too recently, which yeah. is fucking awesome, man. Shout out to Sam. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You guys, and by the way, like also a, a beast in, in BJJ. So yeah. not, not, not our crew. You he trains at Marcelo want. Garcia. I know. Yeah. Out of, yeah. Uh, out of NYC. But yeah. um, so, so, like, how has that found out for you? Because that's often the, the advice that you get. It, it seems to be working quite well. And obviously you guys have done this four times now. Yeah. So, I think it's good. Like, like, like we, we, we do it really well. Um, we have, um, I think, I think a big aspect of it is, is, you know, have it, have a good operational process. Um, you know, don't have blurred lines of who's, who's in charge of what. Um, a lot of it comes down to personality, how we were raised. Um, we, we, like, we, we have each other's back, but we don't, we don't have favorites. Like we, we don't like, we like logic should always be male, regardless of who it comes from um so so there's no there, there's very little ego involved in in what the right decisions are and i think that's 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 very important um it does have its negative connotations too right it's like you know people think it becomes a family business or you know some vcs might think it's it's a risk you know if if one brother leaves the other two will leave and then everyone's left with nothing but I feel like, Vegas. but I feel like, yeah. I feel I feel like the pros way outweigh the cons. Just having like really dedicated, you know, people that would bleed for the company. Yeah, that's so true. And you guys, I like that. And like, for keeping, each other, keeping it objective, right? Because you have to yeah. have those systems. Otherwise, if it's too subjective, that's when you're going to get emotional. Yeah. Right? Or when you start crossing each other's lines of, of, of business. Yeah. And, Oh, like yeah. you have to have a good process around it for sure. Um, yeah. I got one, one, one more for you, man. But just curious, like if there's one, one conversation, or maybe, um, like, not a, I don't want to. I hate saying quote, but like, what, what maybe is probably the most impactful thing you've ever heard that 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 you kind of keep close to you today. You know that you can share, um, with, especially like an aspiring founder. Aspiring founder. Um... You know, it's not from a founder. I when I was a kid, I um, I I, I watched I watched this um uh, I watched this. My my dad would take us to this, you know, the uh, the the science world in Vancouver. It has that dome on top, and it has these like double uh, it, it had these double feature movies, and they would do like scientific movies where like it would be um, it would be. It would be like about tigers and it would be about like people who climb Mount Everest. So I remember this movie we watched of the first female that climbed Mount Everest. And, um, you know, she had 
and this was a documentary they decided to follow her and look at that journey um and you know she had she had gear on she had a microphone and you know she prepped so much she prepped like you know for two years before she hiked the mountain and then she um she 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 got on and like right after the base she gassed out you know and she you could hear her talk and she's like and but there's a point where you can't even go back Right? right. And she kept on just like repeating herself and the microphone would catch it. She just said one more step, one more step. And like for the entire, entire um, uh, journey, she just said one more step and she got to the top. Right. Like that, so what, I what, kind, like, what kind of movie is this? You're like four years old. You're like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, like, what <laughs> What's is so exciting about this? It really stuck with me. And that's, I'm like, is it on this side? Do you see my tattoo? Yeah. Yeah. Is this new? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, like two years. Okay. Damn. I don't yeah. think. I- yeah, uh, was it's a, it, it's it says left, one right? more step, and that's where it comes from. And it's just that's like awesome. it's something that always stuck, sticks with me. It's just like the reason the reason why it's so significant is you know when everything gets very overwhelming, I I don't focus on where we need to like like let's just focus on the like the next few tasks because we can't change anything. Like let's just let's just like solve one problem at a time, and then you know everything else will fall in place. Love it, man. Yeah. Well, uh, last thing on this, but like I had uh, Dean Carzanis, who's an ultra marathoner. He was like time yeah. 100's most influential guy. Dude, he, did a, he ran a marathon every single day across 50 states. Wow. Yeah, like every day? Every single day in a difference. Like he would literally run. Does he have like negative 5% body fat? I have no idea. But he like literally, I think they did. They studied his body. He had something that was like he produced less lactic acid or whatever. So he did have a bit of a different, but he's just a monster. Uh, and, and he does like the ultras too, which are like 200. Uh, yeah, like we're talking over wow. three, four days, no sleep, whatever. And that's exactly what he told me. He's like, when you're running, like, I don't think about like, I have a hundred kilometers left because that would destroy yeah. me. That would, yeah. it would depress any individual. I'm just right. focused on like, am I, am I able to at least put one foot over the other, you know, yeah. and just move, move a little bit closer, a little bit closer. And that's, yeah. I just keep telling myself that. And I'm like, dude, yeah. but after three that's days, exactly don't you get bored? <laughs> like yeah. I get so bored just telling myself that he's like, you can't think otherwise. You yeah. Know? Because yeah. the alternative is just destruction. <laughs> exactly. You know, He's you, like, you, I can't you, stop. You, yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm already, I'm too deep into it. And to your point, like Mount Everest, if anyone else, like you, you cannot go back. Like once you're up, you're, then there are certain times yeah. when you go back down. It's not like just take the elevator and here we yeah. are. You also don't want to fail. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, and you just, you just want to, you, you want to succeed, but you just, when you think about, you know, that you have to walk for two days straight in like grueling conditions. Yeah. that's the mental tap <laughs> that's a mental tap man well listen i yeah. appreciate you this was by far the longest i think podcast i've ever done we're almost at like two really? hours so i think we did yeah. good. it's two hours it's yeah. almost two hours get back to work. Right no, exactly <laughs> exactly are you working today no uh yeah. I, I took it off honestly just i have a few things left around the house yeah so i'm like i'll, I'll just take it anyway it's a national holiday though but I, I took it just for that yeah um yeah man but uh, i appreciate awesome. you i appreciate no, you man, finally you. doing this dude I appreciate you. Yeah, no, it's fun. We should do it's another one, works. you know, in next year. A hundred percent. Oh, dude, we're going to do, you're, you're going to be like a, a Brendan Chobb, you know, like, who, yeah. who's always, or like an the Eddie Bravo. Companion. A fan yeah. fight companion. The Brian Cowan. All I'm uh, saying is look into it. Uh, yeah, exactly. Oh my God, Eddie Bravo. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. you, man. Thank you, man. It was, it was nice. really good seeing you. If you found this podcast useful, make sure to share it out with your community. And if you haven't already done so, subscribe to the podcast. I'll see you next time.